mystery tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 31st episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And today we're bringing you the Oliver House, which you can find at Bisbee, Arizona. So we're going to be here in fabulous America once again. But before we get into that, first thing we want to mention at the time of this broadcast, which is going out on March 1st, 2015, Leonard Nimoy has just passed away. So, of course, we want to pay our respects to him. We're big fans of his. Not only were we watchers of Star Trek, but at least for me, I know for sure, I got started in this whole paranormal thing with In Search Of by Leonard Nimoy. And so uh, he definitely holds a special place for me. As a kid, I was hooked. Did you ever get a chance to watch that show? Not really, and I didn't want start watching Star Trek until I found this girl named Diane who liked it. So I was not a Trekkie, but um, I did, did like him just in what I saw of him. And so I do pay my respects for, for him leaving. I know he touched many, many lives. Well, he would always say, live long and prosper. And he did live a long life. He managed to make it to 83. He had a lung disease, COPD. And he had gone into the hospital last week with some severe chest pain. So I imagine he was probably sick with something. And, you know, if you get pneumonia or something with COPD, that's pretty much it for you. And so with that, you know, we just hope that things were painless for him as he passed. Because that would be a horrible, horrible thing to endure. Exactly. And again, we want to apologize as we did with the... uh, Bonus cast number three broadcast. Denise and I have been under the weather with this cold that's been kind of kicking our butts a little bit. We got ourselves wore down doing the Disney Princess half marathon. I guess we put out all of our reserves. And so, bam, we both got hit with a cold like two days after. And so uh, mine has moved up into my head, so I sound even more clogged than I did before. So we apologize for our clogged (laughs) and stuffy sound today. Yeah, and Diane always likes to tell me that whenever I say... I'm just running for the bling and to hang out. And it's like, and the health. And I'm like, "Uh, whatever. And so this just proves that we are not running for health. It's definitely (laughs) bling. And I said that last time too, but I have not felt very healthy after my run. Just saying. We want to thank Draw Knife, who has given us a review over at Stitcher. We have some attention over there at Stitcher, which doesn't happen very often. Hey, thank you, Draw Knife. Yeah, refreshing paranormal. This podcast is more like friends sitting around and discussing a subject after a fact-finding mission on given paranormal subjects. Glad to know they are Christian-based, and as with most paranormal podcasts, I don't have to cringe with a lot of vulgar language. Don't let me down, ladies. Oh, dang, so I can't start using all my bad language? I know, because you let that (laughs) F-bomb fly all the time. I know, feng shui. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) <laughs> I, I seem to remember when I dropped the uh, defecation term, I got reamed because you're like, this is a G-rated show. And I was like, oh, it is. <laughs> I did not know. Well, it's funny. The other day I actually did say, and hopefully this word won't offend any of our listeners, but I was like, oh, crap. And then I stopped in my office and went, I'm sorry, is that a swear word? Did I offend anybody? So I think I will probably keep it rather clean. At most, I might kind of get Disney dirty. 
<laughs> and, you know, we talked about TuneIn on our last show and mm-hmm. gave a shout out to listeners over there. We're up to 112 over at TuneIn. So. All right, TuneIn. So, like I said last time, keep on tuning in. We've gotten several new likes over at the History Ghost Bump fan page. We greatly appreciate that. And we definitely want to point you in the direction of our interview that we did over with the Ninth Story podcast. We had a lot of fun with uh, Dan Foytick, and he did a great job. Victoria came in in the middle of the uh, interview in several places. Creepy, little, lovable Victoria. She she added her commentary. And For those of you (laughs) who haven't heard the storyteller out of Wales, Daniel Mordant, there's a piece of a story that he's told that I had listened to and I absolutely loved, and I was talking about it during the interview, and Dan weaved that in. So it's a real treat to hear uh, Daniel Mordant telling a story there. And so if you uh, are following us on some social network, I've posted it all over those, whether it's Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest. I've got it up in all those locations. I will put it up at our main website at historyghostbump.com, and I'll also send it out with the newsletter and if the, if you haven't been able to find it in any of those locations, if you go over to NinthStoryPodcast.com, and that's ninth with the number nine, you should be able to find it over there. I believe it's show number 308, which added together makes 11, which is kind of a creepy number. Creepy number. <laughs> we also got a great feedback on our Ghosts in the Bibles podcast, which I was kind of surprised. I, I wasn't sure if we'd get a lot of negative stuff, or maybe a lot of people would ignore the show, but so far it's all been really good feedback. One of the people that sent us a really nice email was John Tower, who hosts a podcast called Red Horse Radio, and he had some really nice comments to add to it, and um, you know, he's a little bit of a theologian of his own right, and so he just made a few comments on things and and really liked that. So we thank John for uh, sending us that email, and if you guys want to check out his podcast, you can do that. He's... uh, over there on iTunes is where I've picked it up, but I'm sure you can find him at Stitcher as well. And, and thank goodness he's Red Horse and not Blue Horse. Anybody who's from the Denver area will understand. Yeah, anybody who's been to the uh, DIA out at <laughs> Denver International Airport you know, it's seen funny. the Satanic Horse. It's funny that you mentioned that because one of the topics that John covers on his show a lot is symbology and stuff. As a matter of fact, his most recent show was about Jay-Z and Lady Gaga and... Katy Perry and all the symbology that they have in their halftime shows and uh, hand signs that they throw and things like that. So it's interesting that you would point out the demonic blue bronco that's outside of DIA that's very creepy with <laughs> red, glowing, glowing red eyes, eyes and looks like it's <laughs> just ferocious uh, that you would mention that in the same sentence as John Tower. I, I'm like in tune a little bit. I guess so. Rather than tuned in. And we also got some nice comments from Sparkle City Phil over at Twitter. It's kind of, uh, you know, those little things about synchronicity that I like to talk about, Denise? These happen every so often where it's like these two things that seem to happen simultaneously, but they weren't meant to be coincidences that aren't coincidences. Well, I was looking back and we we broke our previous records for downloads in February, which we thought was really cool because it's a shorter month. And so I was looking back through our old podcast. and I'm like, you know, I'm going to throw up our first one again because we are now starting our sixth month of broadcasting. And so I threw up you know, hey guys, if you haven't checked us out, it's our six month of broadcasting. Here's the very first one we ever did on Ripley's Auditorium. And so uh, Phil's response to us was funny. I just found your show tonight and did listen to it. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's great. Well, when I checked out Phil's stuff, it actually turns out that he himself is a podcaster. I think it's great when you get people who are podcasters because they know what they're talking about. And uh, his podcast is Cinema Inferior. 
And you can find that at Stitcher and iTunes as well. And they basically do reviews of horror, sci-fi, and B-movie. I haven't checked it out, but uh, I'm going to. So I was going to, but you just pulled up the page. <laughs> and that really creepy <laughs> thing at the top means it might freak me out. But I'll check it out anyway. I mean, but- it, I know it looks like a half-dead something with white eyes and blood coming out of its mouth. But it says, join us. It seems awfully endearing and friendly. Sort of like the Night of the Living Dead want us to join them. <laughs> yeah, join us where? I so, guess I'll have to listen with my rules for scary movies. It'll have to be in the daylight <laughs> and all those. So thanks, Phil, for uh, that shout out to us on Twitter. We appreciate it. I think that's all that I wanted to get into. Of course, I did mention our website. Make sure you check it out. It's got everything you could ever want to know about the show. And if you want to send us any feedback or contact us in any way, Denise. You can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. Let's get on with this show. Sounds good. If you would like to support the show, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash historygoesbump. Or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation. Click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com. William Mackenzie was a British civil engineer, but he also was a gambling man. He gambled with more than just cards, legend tells us. Mackenzie may have gambled his very soul. Legend claims that Mackenzie played a game of cards with the devil, and the bet was his soul. Apparently Mackenzie lost. Because of this, William Mackenzie planned an elaborate burial for himself that was carried out after his death in 1851. Mackenzie believed that the devil could only claim a soul if someone was buried in the ground so he insisted that he be buried above the ground. His body was placed inside a pyramid-shaped tomb that rose to 15 feet. He was seated in a chair at a table, and he held a winning hand of cards. At least, that is what legend tells us. The inscription on the pyramid reads, quote, In the vault beneath lie the remains of William Mackenzie of Newby, Dumfrieshire, Esquire, who died 29th October 1851, aged 57 years. Also, Mary, his wife, who died 19th of December, 1838, aged 48 years. And Sarah, his second wife, who died 9th December, 1867, aged 60 years. This monument was erected by his brother Edward as a token of love and affection. A.D. 1868, the memory of the just is blessed. End quote. So it would seem that he was buried underground and that the pyramid came almost two decades later. So now we're left to wonder, did Satan get the solely one in the game of cards? Either way, the idea that a man would bet his soul in a game with Satan is not only crazy, it's a bit odd. Welcome. We have been expecting you. (laughs) This Day in History On this day, March 1st in 1562, the bloodbath at Vassy was carried out. The massacre at Vassy occurred during the French Wars of Religion that waged between French Catholics and French Protestants who were called Huguenots. The Huguenots followed the teachings of John Calvin. After Henry II took the throne in France, the Huguenots were persecuted and they needed to move their ceremonies into hiding. 
the Duke of Guise, Francois, was traveling through the town of Vassy and decided that he would like to attend Mass. He happened upon a barn where Huguenots were carrying on services. The Duke ordered some of his troops to investigate, but the Huguenots would not let them inside the barn. The Huguenots started throwing rocks, and the Duke was hit. Outraged, he ordered his troops to do something purely evil. He ordered that the troops secure the town and burn down the church. Securing the town meant shooting people. Sixty-three people were killed, and a hundred were wounded. The massacre sparked the first war of many in the French wars of religion. The conflict would not end until 1598, leaving nearly four million people dead. Hey, this is Christopher. And this is Joe. From the Curioso Podcast. And here at the Curioso, when we want to listen to ghost tours for the theater of the mind, we listen to the History Goes Bump Podcast. The Oliver House Bed and Breakfast is located in Bisbee, Arizona. Bisbee is a quaint town with a historic mining background. As in the case of most mining towns, this town has a rich history with gambling, prostitution, and murder taking center stage. You just got to love the Old West. I know. It's like those three things are like commonality and then anything else falls in between. The Bisbee of modern era may have quieted considerably, but the unseen world has not stopped kicking up its heels. Long-dead residents still seem to be hanging around, and one of their favorite places to knock about is the Oliver House. Bisbee, Arizona was known as the Queen of the Copper Camps and gets its name from Judge DeWitt Bisbee, who financed the Copper Queen Mine. The city lies in the Mule Mountains and initially started as a state claim. In 1877, Army scouts and cavalrymen were sent to the Mule Mountains to investigate whether there were any Apache in the area. What they found instead of Apache were mineral deposits like lead, silver, and copper. The town grew with the influx of prospectors. On January 9, 1902, the city of Bisbee received its official charter. By 1910, 25,000 people lived in the city, and I believe it was the third largest city on this side of the Mississippi next to Las Vegas and Los Angeles, or San Francisco, I think. Oh, wow. We have more people than that at Walt Disney World. That work there, yes. <laughs> but you know what's funny is since this was one, the third largest city at that time, had you ever heard of Bisbee? I actually have, but that's because we grew oh. up in that area. Oh, okay, because I I'd never heard of Bisbee, Arizona. As usually happens when mining operations close up due to no more ore being found, the town went through a slump in the 1970s as people moved out and the housing market crashed. The town today has revived as a retiree and artist mecca. Oliver House was built as an office building and boarding house for mining executives by Edith Ann Oliver, who was the wife of Henry W. Oliver. Henry was an Irish-born American industrialist. His family immigrated to Pennsylvania when he was two. He served in the Civil War in 1861, and when he came home, he married Edith Cassidy in 1862. The following year, he formed a partnership with two other men, and they opened a company that specialized in making nuts and bolts. The company flourished and incorporated in 1888 as the Oliver Iron and Steel Company. Henry was considered an iron pioneer. He died in 1904. Edith had Oliver House built in 1909. It served the Calumet and Arizona Mining Company. 
Elizabeth chose to build the house with red bricks to help prevent its destruction by fire because Bisbee was a town that had many fires. And due to those fires, it is very hard to find historical records on any of this stuff, which is going to pose to be a little bit of a problem for us this evening. I also want to point out that you would assume, since she built this house in Arizona, that you would find information on her in Arizona, because I was trying to figure out, did they move to Arizona at some point to build this place, or, you know... What's going on here? And as I checked all the census records, everything for them was in Pennsylvania. So they lived and died in Pennsylvania almost their entire lives, minus him being born in Ireland. So what I think she must have done is, they, since they were doing a lot of the steel and iron stuff, that that must be where they were pulling it from, was from Arizona. And so they were somehow must have been partnered with this mining company. Through that, she built a place for them to be able to stay there, I guess. Because she did not run the boarding house. I didn't find any record of that. Yeah, so it was probably just sort of a silent partner, you know, just kind of keeping a vested interest of where they've put their money and where they're getting their their stuff. So that makes total sense to me. Well, one of the fun things is, is I was doing research on this because I was trying to figure out if this Henry W. Oliver was her husband because everything that I was reading about him, it would just say her husband was this mining tycoon and stuff like that. And so I was like, well who's her husband? I mean, he's obviously got to be somebody big name if he was this big mining tycoon and stuff. So I finally found somewhere where it said what her husband's name was. And then when I looked that up, I couldn't find anything that would connect them to like, it would say that he married Edith Cassidy, but it didn't say, and she later went on to build the Oliver house. So I was having a hard time putting these people together, but I'm like, okay, well, it's the same time period. How many Henry's and Edith's got married in Pennsylvania? So I'm like, it has to be these people. So it was really difficult to do that. But in looking through that, I happened upon an auction. And on this auction was this glorious Louis Vuitton trunk from years and years and years ago. I can't remember how much it auctioned for. It was like $5,000. And it was part of their family. And it actually had a lot of their history in the description for it. So I got a lot of information off of this auction. And it was a Louis Vuitton trunk and yes. it went for just 5000 Yeah, and it you was can't an old buy one. A, you can't buy a Louis Vuitton purse for 5000 It was no, an old one, I mean, one that's too. a little bit of an exaggeration, but... The only thing I can think of is maybe because it was worn that it was... But <laughs> I didn't even know Louis Vuitton made trunks. But apparently back in the early 1900s, he did. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was pretty cool. Oliver House was purchased in 1986 by Dennis Schrantz. He ran the place until 2005, or it could be 2006, I'm not sure on that date, and sold it to Patty Hill, who's the current owner. The Oliver House features 14 rooms with most of its original rustic charm. Each of the rooms has a certain theme and name, like the Blue Room, Peach Pit, Chili Pepper, and Plum Parlor. The building has an ugly history, though, with as many as 27 deaths tied to the boarding house. Most of these cannot be verified because historical documents were destroyed by fires. One story that can be verified is that of Nat Anderson because his murder was covered by the Tombstone Epitaph, and it reads as follows. Bisbee, February 23rd. Kind of interesting how close in date that really is to how we're putting this show out. Absolutely. (laughs) The investigation of the murder of Nat Anderson early Sunday morning has come practically to a standstill. Every clue that has presented itself to the police has been run down. On the evening prior to the murder, Anderson was at a party at the home of Mrs. Norris Greeley in Wood Canyon. It was a simple social affair among friends, cards, and dancing being the principal entertainment. Shortly before one o'clock, the guests left the house in a crowd proceeding a short distance together. When they separated, Anderson escorted Miss Elizabeth King to her home on Tempe Avenue. He entered the house and talked with her for a few minutes, leaving at about 2.25 o'clock. 
He then went to the English kitchen on Main Street and ate a light supper. Anderson left the English kitchen shortly after 2.30 o'clock and presumably went directly to the Oliver house where he rooms. It is but a few minutes' walk. The shooting occurred at 3.10 o'clock. An inquest yesterday morning shed little or no light on the murder. The coroner's jury gave a verdict of death, quote, from gunshot wounds at the hands of an unknown person, end quote. Following the shooting, both Mrs. Richard Davis, the landlady, and a rumor saw a man leaving the place. They did not see him clearly enough to describe him. The theft of money and a watch from Kay Ross's room a short time prior to the shooting remains a puzzling feature of the crime. The weight of evidence against the theory that the man who entered Ross's room is the same man that shot Anderson is almost overwhelming. On the other hand, everything points to the crime as being the act of a man who had some personal score to settle with Anderson, a score of violent hatred. Before firing the third shot into the prostrate man's back, his assailant cursed him with a vile epitaph. There's a wooden footbridge across the canyon leading to the front of the house. A nearby neighbor said that before the shooting, a scuffle was heard on this bridge, and a woman screamed. The police think that the robbery of K. Ross's room might have been a coincidence, or might have been done with the object of throwing them off the trail to make it seem as if it was the act of common thieves trying to escape. The murder remains a mystery, but most believe that Nat Anderson was having an affair with a married woman. And apparently, Nat owed his mistress's husband money as well. Yeah, those don't go hand in hand too well. (laughs) No. When the husband found out about the affair, he went to Oliver House, shot Nat in the back and in the head outside of what room do you think, Denise? I don't know why 13 always gets a bad (laughs) rap. That is a great number. But it is room number 13. Indeed. Um, You know what's interesting? How do they know when you were reading the epitaph, he, he said stuff to him, like, did somebody witness it? It doesn't say there was a witness. Yeah, the assailant cursed him with a vile epitaph. All I can assume is that they heard it, but oh, didn't heard it, see but it. didn't see it. Okay, because I was like... Because they did see him leaving, but not enough that they could describe him. So he must have been wearing... I mean, he couldn't even describe his clothes. He must have had a hat on. You couldn't describe the color of his hair. They heard the scuffle going on and mysterious man and everybody just kind of stayed inside. As is the case in most of these small towns mm-hmm. where I'm sure everybody knew everybody's business. It's only 25,000 people yeah. there. Uh, they probably knew who the shooter was and maybe they were afraid to say. That could be it too because or maybe that, they thought that happens in today's coming. time. Yeah. Okie dokie. Well, anyway, Oliver House seems to attract those who are adulterous. <laughs> Great. What a nice place to go. I mean, it is a hotel. I, I don't know if they let their boarding rooms for the hour or what, but <laughs> yeah, that, that might lend to that adulterous uh, climate about their, not, yeah, cli- climate. 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 <laughs> <laughs> climate? God, you sound all proper English. Climate. climate. <laughs> it's the climate of this Oliver house. Thank you. <laughs> So anyway, forget prim and proper. I'm talking about adultery and I'm being prim and proper, whatever. In the 1930s, the sheriff's wife had taken up with a young suitor. And one day while they were at the Oliver House in the Blue Room, the sheriff came in and shot both the young man and his wife before turning his gun on himself and committing suicide. The story is often referred to as a massacre with some tellings of the narrative, including other patrons at the hotel being shot. Furniture is heard moving in this room as well as disembodied footsteps. Yeah, apparently some stories say he shot everybody in sight. So I don't know if he just went in and opened fire on everybody. But uh, just a little word to the... I don't. Why do they say word to the wise? Because really, I guess you'd have to be wise to listen. But usually if somebody's wise, you don't need to tell them things like, maybe you shouldn't be hooking up with the sheriff's wife. 
Maybe you shouldn't be hooking up with anybody's wife. Well, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> if you're going to do that, better not be the sheriff's wife. That's true, because you know he's packing. <laughs> in a room that was dubbed the grandma room, an elderly woman passed away. She'd been seen in there at times rocking in a rocking chair, and a broken clock would chime at 2 a.m. The room was renamed and the chair removed by previous owner, Dennis Schrantz. Don't do that. Not to grandma. This seems to have angered grandma's ghost, who bopped a three-year-old boy on the head while he slept in the room. He ran to his parents crying, but they did not believe his story. Until the next morning when a dark bruise had appeared on his forehead. A guy takes the chair and she bops the kid. Yeah, poor little girl. <laughs> Whap. It's like, I didn't do nothing. Jeez, lady. And then his parents don't believe him. Poor I thing. Know. Like a three-year-old's going to make that up. Some ghost old lady <laughs> grabbed me and bam, right on my head. They're like, do you even know what a ghost is? He's like, yeah, the one that grabbed me. Well, he probably didn't say ghost. He probably said some old lady. And I don't know, maybe when they investigated, there's like, there's no old lady here. One woman on TripAdvisor wrote her experience at Oliver House. Quote, my family is sort of scared of the house because first, it's creepy when you walk up to it. And second, it's really dark inside. Plus, I've had two different times of unexplained things happen to me. I've listened to a woman at two in the morning softly singing a song while walking down the hallway and stopping at my door to shake the doorknob. The other of an old man ghost cutting in front of me while I turned around, taking my breath away. Of course, the house is old with its moans and groans of almost a 100-year history. You know, it just occurred to me, what are we on our 31st episode here? And how many of these do we hear doorknobs jiggling? I've often wondered, supposedly ghosts are able to walk through things. Like people will see them walking towards something and then all of a sudden they disappear through the wall. Why do they have to bother with doorknobs? Well, if it's a poltergeist, they're probably having fun just scaring people. Oh, good point. The other case they know is, that that freaks us out is sure. humans. The other case might be if it's residual, uh, it's just a ghost you know. trying to get in mm-hmm. or just that's my room mm-hmm. can't get in. Then they walk away oh, trying that. to get back in again because that's their normal route that they walk uh. or something. But I've often wondered that. I'm like, why are they rattling the doorknob? Just walk through the door. Of course, you go the common sense route. It could just be a residual effect. I'm like, it might be somebody just playing tricks and trying <laughs> to scare them. Or we could go with Hollywood's version of ghost where it takes a lot of work and energy to try to get through that door. Oh, this is true. Ghost is in the one with Patrick Swayze. Yes. Unless you've seen a different one. (laughs) (laughs) I could make a really bad joke, but I liked Patrick Swayze as an actor and I'm bummed that he's dead, so I won't say nothing. Yes, I like Patrick Swayze. And another family reported on TripAdvisor as well. You know, you love when you go over to TripAdvisor just to see what people are saying about a certain location. And the first two stories that pop up are, yikes, this happened. It's like, ooh, that sounds like a good place to stay if you don't want to sleep for the evening. The rooms are old boarding house fare and have large old wooden doors with gaps at the bottom and dormer windows above for air circulation. The floors are wood plank and look original with scarring and all. So when we heard the clunking of boots going down the hall and up the stairs, we weren't surprised. About the third time, though, we were a little annoyed and my wife asked me to check it out and to see if that stomper could be a little quieter. As I heard the steps coming down the hall again and watched the shadows of someone walking by, I got out of bed and went to the door. Opened the door and looked to the right in the direction of the person, the the direction the person had been traveling. Whoever wrote this review was not a very good speller. Seeing no one, I stepped out the door and turned right past the last room on the floor and turned up the stairs still following the footsteps. I rounded the landing at the midway point up the stairs. Continued up to the top floor and turned left knowing I was right behind the stomper. Just as I rounded the corner and looked down the long hallway, the steps stopped. There was no one in front of me. 
no doors opened or closed, and no lights came on. I went back to the room and had to explain this to my wife. The rest of the night, I barely slept. Wait for the steps to come back so I could catch the stomper. The rest of the night, we heard very few sounds except for a few murmurs and what sounded like a heavy chain being dropped on the floor next to the nightstand by our bed. We heard very few sounds except for that chain that dropped on the floor. <laughs> I know. It's like, what you can imagine would be like clank, you know? It's like, but besides that, you know, it was a peaceful night. He did say, that one did make us jump. As a side note, Ghost Adventures TV show was there doing an investigation a couple of years later, and one of the guys experienced the same chain sound in the same room, and they caught it on tape. Oh, so at least that kind of justified. Hopefully his wife was a bit of a believer. Could you imagine? Like, if you came back with that story, I'd be like, oh, wow, are you kidding me? Some wives would be like, darling, why don't you just lay down and sleep it off? While Ghost Adventurers was at the location, they caught a few EVPs, one of which was a scream. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sure it didn't sound like that, Denise. You make a really sucky ghost. (laughs) Is that better? I, you know, thank God (laughs) this cold has my eardrums plugged up because you probably would have blown them out if I hadn't had them plugged up. Well, you're the one that challenged me. I didn't do it on my own. Okay, that could have maybe been a banshee. They do have that kind of high-pitched hysterical sound to them. A ghost-like chicken? Isn't that what a banshee is? Huh? You don't know what a banshee is? No, it's it's like like a a rooster. (laughs) No, a banshee is a female ghost that usually is heard before somebody's going to die. What is she named after a rooster? (laughs) The rooster banshee. Okay, I see a story here somewhere. We have lots of authors who listen to the show. Somebody write it. The Rooster Banshee. Well, no, because like when they say she's crazy as a banshee, they mean like a female ghost. (laughs) What does that have to do with the rooster? (laughs) Denise, have you been taking too much cold medicine? (laughs) I don't take medicine. That's scary because (laughs) you're just perfectly in tune. I think the congestion has clogged your brain. That's not nice. Crazy like a banshee. They call it that because banshees sound crazy when they're screaming. It's like this. So now you call me crazy. <laughs> okay, listeners, <laughs> come to my defense. Do you hear this? <laughs> well, I just was saying that your scream sounded like a banshee. I didn't say you were crazy like a banshee. Okay. Anyway, you're the one who brought that up. <laughs> I was just trying to make your ghost scream no, to it, give your story. Give, it, what's a scary ghost sound since you had to add in your own little audio there? I don't hear ghost. <laughs> what do you think a scary ghost would sound like? Woo! <laughs> I mean, to me, it'd be more like a... Uh, That's not a scream, though. That's a moan. It, it says, was a ghost sound. Okay, it was a scream, scream. of a ghost. All right. Okay, anyway, moving on. <laughs> I, I hate to even say this next sentence because if you add audio, I'm <laughs> terrified. Particularly because we are fans of the show Gotham. And last night we watched the most recent one. It had the Joker in it as a child. and The uh, creepy Joker yeah, as a child. That he had guy. a pretty crazy laugh. So a disembodied laugh was captured as well. Ha ha ha! I can't do it. <laughs> And cold spots, along with touching, were felt. And don't do any touching over there. (laughs) (laughs) A ghost, oh, a guest book. (laughs) Do you like that? I called it a ghost book. It's really a guest book. A guest book at the Ben Breakfast is filled with countless stories of haunting experiences. You know, we don't even need to do outtakes anymore because they just stay in the show. (laughs) You're leaving all this in. Great. (laughs) 
People claim to see a shadow figure near room 13 and running water is heard. Occasionally, the sound of someone working on pipes is heard as well. Gunshot or firecracker sounds are heard, too. So, have the previous patrons of Oliver House decided to book eternal stays? Are the spirits of the murdered still hanging around the halls? Is Oliver House haunted? That is for you to decide. And if you happen to go to the town of Bisbee... In Arizona, they have the Old Bisbee Ghost Tours, which you can check out at oldbisbeeghosttour.com. We have the link up in the show notes. And uh, you know what? I'll also put a link up to our interview that we do with the Night Story podcast, too, so that people can uh, get a hold of that there. And speaking of the Night Story, next time I'm needing screams and stuff, I'm counting on little Miss Victoria to come help me because she knows that history is terrifying. Our next show is going to be on the Seguin Island lighthouse in maine and i hope i said that right so we're going to go to a lighthouse yay we like lighthouses and we're going very north to maine which is apparently getting a lot of snow too yes but we'll be going from our comfortable place in in central florida yeah it's what we shouldn't say 80 80 degrees degrees. yeah (laughs) all right well we want to thank you guys for joining us here make sure you join us over at the spectacular crew group page we'd love to have you join us there on facebook this has been your host diane And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Have a spooky experience that occurred at an historic location? Want to give us feedback or have a suggestion for the show? Share it with us at historygoesbump at gmail.com.